Amen. Our music ministry has a real energy about it. And I hope you hear me say that with all sincerity. That is a blessing. That is a blessing of God. If you would, turn with me to the sheet that's in your bulletin. At the top of the sheet, you'll see our verses we're going to read together this morning out of Ruth 2 and Ruth 14. Uh, It would have been beautiful if we would have been able to read the whole book of Ruth together this morning, Uh, but we're going to settle for these two verses in this time together. So let's stand and let's read this out loud together. This then is our text for today. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a Redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. There was a famine in the land. That's how Ruth 1-1 begins. There was a famine in the land. And you know, we don't even really understand what that means, that there was a famine in the land. Now, maybe some of us have been close to to understanding what that means. For for some of us, there was a severe famine a couple of years ago when we would walk into H-E-B and we would go down the ice cream aisle and there was no bluebell ice cream. (laughs) That that was a severe famine in the land. And, And really, that's about as close to a famine in the land as most of us have ever been. And that's sad, really, because we cannot sympathize with Naomi or her family in these moments. You know, essentially, they had come to this time in Israel where there was no more food. The crops weren't growing. The rain wasn't coming, and that meant people were starving. You know, in the days before grocery stores and railroads, when the crops don't take You don't eat. And their only option for survival was to move out of their own country, to move out of Israel and go somewhere else. And they did. Naomi and her husband and her two sons packed up and moved to Moab, just over the mountains, across the Dead Sea, and the harvest was plentiful. You know, we, we don't know what that's like. For us, it, it might be like running into Walmart and all the shelves being empty, save a few things of ramen. And then you, you run to H-E-B, and H-E-B has even less. What do you do? What do you do when life comes to this moment where there are no other options, no other options for food, no other options for life? That's the kind of post-apocalyptic scenario that, that we have trouble even imagining. But that's exactly where Naomi was. There was a famine in the land. And usually, Moab is is never spoken of in a a positive light. Jewish people didn't like them. They didn't like the the Jewish people. But, But you see, when there's a famine in the land, hunger dispels any prejudice. And so we get this book that we're studying today. And here, here in Ruth, things take a tragic turn in Moab. 
Now, Naomi's two sons are married, and, and they keep going through life. But what, what comes next is what's tragic. Within 10 years, Naomi's husband dies. Then her two sons die, and Naomi is left with practically nothing. Now, she has some food now. She has her two daughters-in-law now, but really nothing else. And in a time like that, the father, the male in the household, was everything. The way society worked, the way the legal system worked, without that male, without that father figure, life was worthless. Now remember, we're talking almost 3,000 years ago, and without any men in her life, Naomi was basically a homeless person. And when I say homeless, I literally mean living on the streets begging for food. That is what life was to become without her husband and her two sons. Now there's a famine in the family. And there's this, there's this powerful moment at the end of, of Ruth chapter 1 when Naomi says, she says, I, I know what real starvation feels like. I have, I've gone for days without eating. And I could handle a famine like that, but I can't handle a famine in the family. And she was bitter. In fact, she, she moves back to Bethlehem, where she's from, and when she gets to Bethlehem, she tells everyone there to no longer call her Naomi, but Mara, which means bitter. Just call me bitter, because that's what this life has come to. My life has crumbled into nothing, and there is nothing left but bitterness. And we get it. We understand how she very well should feel bitter. In the course of 10 years, she has lost everything in her life. The three most important people to her, the three people that could provide her any hope on this earth are all gone. And she was left carrying the load of having to live like this in bitterness. You know, some of us in this room have felt these same bitter tears roll down our cheek where we have known death like this. We've known those circumstances where death and the pain of this world has made us so bitter that all that we can do is look up to our God in anger and say, why? God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to me? Not long ago, I heard a story from a young lady about a branch of her family tree. There was bitterness at every branch. Said over a course of about 10 years, Several things had happened. One, there was one of the men in the family was hit in the head, and, and he was blind, and he was in a coma for months. But then he started to, to wake up. He started to come back. He started to get his faculties back about him. And, and as, as he was getting better in the hospital, his wife was coming to visit him, and she was T-boned on the way to see him. Sustained severe mental damage that she never recovered from. And a little while later, another, another man in that, branch of the family tree, fell off a motorcycle. He hit his head and it never regained full function again. You know, when, when there's a, a famine in the family like this, our hearts shatter. And, and life is hard. And we, we beg God, why, why would this happen to me? God, you are in control of everything in this world. Why would you let something like this happen to me? And so we ask why. 
And it's okay to ask why. That, that's a natural human response to these kinds of pains in our life. To say, God, why, why is this happening to me? It's okay when you face tragedy and when you face death to get down on your knees and cry before God and let all of your mourning out at the throne of our Heavenly Father. You can, and I hope you will. That's the natural human response to this kind of pain. And here's what you need to know, because just like there's a natural human response to this kind of famine in the family, there's also a natural God response. Our natural response is anger and bitterness and to question our God. And while we are doing that, the natural God thing to do is to send a Redeemer to send safety, to send hope, to send exactly what we need in these moments of our life when there's a famine in the family. He sends us our Redeemer. You know, back in that day, in Naomi's day, in the Old Testament, Redeemer didn't quite mean what we know it to mean today. And this is what I mean by that. These, this Old Testament vocabulary is a precursor to what we know as Redeemer. Now, all the things that we understand about this word redeemer, we understand in the life of Christ, in the fullness of the life of Christ. And we see this perfect picture of Jesus Christ's work on the cross, his blood flowing down on our behalf. And that is, that is a perfect picture of our God and the perfect picture of what it means to be a redeemer. But when Naomi speaks of a redeemer in today's text, she would never have dreamed of the Messiah. She would have had different connotations in Hebrew. And in Hebrew, the, the word redeemer would, would have all kinds of, of different meanings, and, and all of them are tied back to, to losing the male relatives in her family. You see, in, in one sense, th this redeemer is the one who's going to put the food on your table when you have no food. When, when the, the closest male kin will come in, however distant he may be, come in and put food on your table so you can finally eat and come out of your starvation. That is your redeemer. Or a, a redeemer might be somebody who, who bought your family's place back. Where years ago you had to sell it or you lost the family farm. And you have, you have this closest male relative come back and, and buy the family farm back so that you have a place to live and to farm and be family again. And give it back to you free of charge. That is your redeemer. Or, or maybe we think about redeemer more like the, the New Testament term. Naomi needed some, something kind of like this too. In the New Testament, we move to this different connotation of redeemer, where it's a person in slavery. And someone comes along and pays the price for the slave and then lets them go free, saying, you're forgiven. You're free. Go. See, in one way or another, Naomi needs all three of these things. She needed a redeemer to come and restore her life and restore the fullness of her life. And God sends her one because that's what our God does. Our God is a redeeming God. See, this, this is the perfect picture of who he is. When we are hungry, God gives us our fill. When we are without a home, God provides our shelter. When we are enslaved, he breaks us free from our captors. God is our redeemer, and God will always be our redeemer. There's no other way for our God to be. That is his character. That is his nature. He redeems his people. That is how our God operates. Now, it may take years, because it does for Naomi. You see, this unfolds over time. It doesn't happen overnight. 
And usually we think it's not happening because we want it to happen overnight. But that's not what we're saying here. This kind of redemption unfolds through the years and we give God the glory for his unfolding redemption. See, that's what's happening in this moment for Naomi. There's no other way for God to be. Even as she's looking up to God in bitterness and screaming why, God's working on sending her a redeemer. Redemption is coming. When you need the bread of life, it is coming down out of heaven. See, there's, there's a time and a place that are going to be coming at our death. And Jesus right now is preparing for us a place in heaven this very moment. That redemption is coming. And, and like what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, we have been set free. We are free from the fleshly urges to sin. We were once captive to the flesh. We were once captive to sin and temptation. But redemption is coming. And God has said, you are set free from that. You are no longer bound to those urges or those temptations. And you have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Your redemption is coming. It is just around the corner. No, God is here. God is with you. And it's unfolding through the ages. You know, we've talked about Naomi a lot this morning. The title of the book that we're reading is Ruth. That's who it features. I didn't mention her before, but she's one of the Moabite daughters-in-law of Naomi. And Ruth stuck with Naomi through thick and thin. That's why the book's named after her. Ruth was one of those people in Naomi's life that was, as the text describes, is better than seven sons. Ruth left her homeland in which she went to Bethlehem. She went to Bethlehem with Naomi because God was calling. She was going to find refuge where God is, not anywhere else. So they got to Bethlehem, and when they got there, they, they were still without what they needed. And so Ruth went gleaning. Now, gleaning happens because of a command in Leviticus. God, God told all of his people as they were growing their crops and, and as they, they come to, to take in the harvest, you never harvest everything. It's part of the Levitical law. But you, you, leave, you leave the edges. And you leave the edges out there for the poor. You leave the edges out there for people who can't fend for themselves. And you let those, those edges of the crop take care of them. And often that meant widows like Naomi. They'd grown old. They didn't have a husband. They didn't have sons to, to farm or bring a crop to the table. And so Ruth went out and gleaned in the fields. And what was left over, and she went and she took care of what they needed in their home. She took up a bushel of the outer edge left for the homeless people like them. Now, God never forsook Naomi, even in her poverty. There was God right there with her, nurturing her along, sending her Ruth, sending her these edges of the fields so that they could have their fill. I want you to hear what Boaz says about Ruth. You, you look with me at, at Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. It's the first verse we, we read. And this is Boaz speaking to Ruth over her, and, and she's been gleaning, and she's been taking care of Naomi in these ways. She has come from a far-off land, and this is what the text says about her. It's what Boaz responds to her. He gives her a blessing in verse 12. May the Lord reward your work, and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, who under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. See, this, this is an unimaginable moment 
It's a God-ordained moment. You see, in the very field where Ruth goes to glean, to take from the edges so that they can have something to eat, that, that very field is owned and operated by Boaz, a man who fits the legal definition of a redeemer, the exact person they needed. See, in, in their legal world, if Naomi wanted to restore her family, restore her life in Bethlehem, it had to be through whoever the, the next male of kin was. And it turns out that that next male of kin, their redeemer was in that field that day where Ruth was gleaning. And Boaz makes it happen. If you read the rest of the story, he redeems Naomi and her family. It takes some legal, legal wrangling to make it all official, but he does. He makes it legally official. Boaz restores her land, restores her life, restores her food. And, and life is starting to get back to some sense of normalcy for Naomi because God never left her side. God was there. In the bitterness, in the poverty, God was with her. Now, you see, all the pain that we feel in this world is a product of sin and the de decay that it causes. This world is finite. Our, our bodies are finite. And, and because we live in a broken world with finite bodies, we are going to face heartache. That's, pro that's part of it. We're going to face a famine in the land, and we're going to face a famine in our families. Those things are coming. Those kinds of heartache unfold all the time in our lives. It's part of living in this broken world. There's no way around this kind of heartache. But this is what we need to know in it. God has not forsaken you in the pain. God is right there with you every step of the way, bringing you to fullness in life because God is the Redeemer. That's the way our God operates. He brings it all to fullness and completion and hope in the end. God is there. He's with us every step of the way. See, hear me here. Now, legally, Boaz is, is operating as a Redeemer but God, God's the provider. God, God's the one stepping in here, and he's the one taking care of Naomi and Ruth through Boaz. See, there, there's some scholars that, that even argue that, you know, Ruth isn't really redeemer. Boaz really isn't redeemer. There's, there's, there's another one coming, right? Is, is the real redeemer is, is when you get into chapter 4, and they, they point to this, this new character we find there. And, and it certainly was the completion of God's provision for Naomi, to set up chapter 4, this is what's happening in the end of the book. Boaz has taken Ruth as his legal wife so a son can be born to Naomi. Now, this is, this is an early example of what in the Old Testament was known as a leveret marriage. Um, it sounds odd to us, but things worked that way back then. For Naomi to be fully restored, she needed a son at her side. Keep the family tree going. And the only way that was going to happen was this kind of marriage between Boaz and Ruth. So that, that's what happens. Now read, read chapter 4 with me. Let's look at 14 and 15. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. And your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. See, did you hear it? Did you hear what God just did? God gave Naomi a son, and they called him Obed. God blessed her beyond her belief. This was beyond imagination for her. This was, this was an astounding moment for her. As the story goes, Naomi just became the great-great-grandmother of the most powerful king Israel ever had. 
This new baby boy in Bethlehem, maybe he's the redeemer. But for us, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter this morning who we legally define as the redeemer. Because it doesn't really matter if the legal redeemer is Obed or, or Boaz or, or, or maybe even some ways Ruth in this story. God was the real redeemer. God was the provider setting the stage for all of this to happen for them and for us. See, God was always going to be this kind of redeemer for Naomi because he loved her more than anyone on this earth could have loved her. And that same fact is true for you too. God loves you more than anyone else on this earth possibly could love you. That's who our God is. The same way he loved Naomi through the famine in the land. And the same way he loved Naomi through the famine in her family, he loves you. He loves you with all that he is and all of his grace. God cares deeply as your heavenly father. You see, the, the book of Ruth is a story of practical earthly redemption. It's a legal moment in history. But this practical legal moment reflects what God is doing every day, every day in heaven for you and for me, making sure that we are redeemed and provided for, making sure that we are safe and in him we find our refuge. It's what God is doing. And I want us to make one more quick reference here. Turn with me to Matthew 1. We often skip over the genealogies that we find in Scripture, but this is an important one. And in fact, our text in Ruth speaks, speaks specifically to this genealogy of Jesus that we find in Matthew chapter 1. Listen here at Matthew 1, 5 and 6. Simon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David, the king. And it continues all the way down until we get to Jesus. When God was providing for Naomi, he was providing for us a savior. You know, it may look small in the moment that God led Ruth to Boaz's grain field. But in the end, as Ruth is walking towards that grain field, she's taking one step toward God giving us Jesus Christ. See, they had no idea that the struggle that was in their life would have such an impact on us. But see, the struggle that they were working through in their lives, the famines that they faced, the difficulties that came all the way through their family saved our lives. So you never know what might come out of your pain. But I can guarantee you this, God is with you. God is fighting for you. God's with you through it all. There is redemption coming. Because that's the story. There's redemption coming. Pointing all the way to Jesus Christ coming the first time. And there's redemption coming. As we read the New Testament pointing to Jesus Christ coming back again. Redemption is coming and it's just around the corner. We just need to be faithfully obedient. And if we are faithfully obedient to seek out the refuge uh, under the wing of our God, then we're going to be okay. And God is going to take care of the rest. If we'll be faithfully obedient, God's going to take care of the rest. See, that, that's what our God does. That's who our God is. Our God is the great Redeemer. Let's pray together. Lord, we are blessed 
Sometimes we don't even realize the blessings that come from heaven every single day. Lord, thank you for caring. Thank you for wanting our safety. Thank you for being our comfort as we mourn. Because, Lord, we need it, and we need it desperately. So now we offer our hearts and our lives completely over to you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.